Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Buffalo Fanatics, Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. And that, of course, can only mean one thing. It's the smoke break. Z-Bot here with you. Pleasure is mine, as always. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Easter right around the corner. Masters is done. Baseball's kicking off. The draft is a couple weeks away. And I keep saying this every week. You blink and the season's going to be here. It's, it's flying. We're already towards the middle of April. It's absolutely crazy. And it's good to have you in on April the 11th as we continue to trend towards the draft. I cannot believe it's just a few weeks away. I'm very excited for it. But in the meantime, we have some other things to clear up as we head into the draft. And I look forward to diving into that tonight. Great show around the corner for you. Before we kick it off, however, I'd be remiss to not start the show by sending out a quick prayer to the uh, friends, family, and anybody who knew Dwayne Haskins, just an absolute tragedy of a story. And uh, was beyond disheartening to hear Uh, Dwayne Haskins is younger than I am. And when you put it into perspective, think back on the career that he had at Ohio state. He was a legend. He gets to the NFL. Looks like he was going to have another chance in Pittsburgh, the way things were shaping up big Ben, has retired um, and your heart just pours out for a situation like that, especially to a guy like Dwayne Haskins, who seemed to be absolutely beyond loved by his peers, teammates, friends, and family, um, a beyond sad story. And my heart goes out to anybody close to the situation. Um, Anytime that happens, it's beyond tragic. But when it happens to somebody so young with so much life ahead of them, like I said, a year younger than me, um, I just can't even, I can't even process it. Um, So Thoughts and prayers to Dwayne Haskins, and uh, I hope the best for his family. I can't imagine what they're going through. Uh, We're going to switch things up tonight. It's going to be fun. I know oftentimes it's bills, 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 but as we know in the offseason, there's plenty of other things to talk about outside of Buffalo. And when you're doing so well in the offseason, as the bills have been doing, it's on the top of your mind oftentimes, what's what's other organizations doing? I know the bills are just killing it left, right, and center. They They can't make a miss right now. Everything's swish, nothing but net. But what's going on in the rest of the league? What's going on within the AFC? And who do we have to look out for as we venture on into the 2022 season? Tonight, we're going to talk about a team that I told you last week. You got to look out for them because one year decimated by injuries, it's easy to forget how good the Baltimore Ravens have been since Lamar Jackson has entered the league. And we know that firsthand. We've had plenty of great matchups against him. And tonight I'm excited to bring on 
Bobby Trossett, he spent the last three seasons with the flagship radio station out in Baltimore covering the Baltimore Ravens. So nobody knows their current situation better than Bobby. And he's actually just recently stepped away from the radio environment to delve into this type of work uh, online, communicating with fans and talking sports. We all love it. And Bobby does too. So please welcome on with open arms, my friend, Bobby Trossett out of Baltimore. Bobby, so good to have you on, my man. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely, Zach. I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, we got a mutual friend and your cousin, Boy Wonder, a.k.a. Oh Kevin gosh. Stewart. And The big, and man, the big K, York. he's watching right now with, with young JP. So we got to give him that's a right. shout out, Bobby. Absolutely, yeah. That's, that's family right there. And, uh, you know, hey, I might be down in Baltimore. I've spent the last decade or so down this way, but I got those New York roots. Yeah. I grew up in Albany, so, you know, fancy myself a Giants fan growing up, but, man, made that train west uh, many a time to, to Orchard <laughs> Park to, to check that out. So yeah, it's a heck of a stadium. I know, obviously, you got a new one coming in, and yeah. there's all kinds of things exciting. You know, you already alluded to it off the top. I mean, essentially, Buffalo is the team with target on on its back, uh, oh, deserving it. So, so uh, I'm fired up to get into it, man. I got plenty to plenty to, to that I prepared for this. Let's go. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, this is the most that I prepared I was right here. Ask little, you, what do you, what do you have in the cup tonight? What's the drink little, of choice? A little tequila soda with a couple limes in there. Hope you don't mind. Ooh, I don't mind at all. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's my drink of choice typically. Although I, I was down with your boy Kev all week. So Bobby grew okay. up with a mutual friend, Kevin. Now Kevin would be my brother-in-law if you guys have an extra 15 grand or so you want to send over to the um, the Super Chat account for a wedding ring fund, you can make Kevin my brother-in-law. But until then, uh, mutual mutual friend Bobby grew up with him, and then Kevin is my sometime, hopefully soon, brother-in-law. But you know how all that goes. Uh, in this economy, Bobby, in this economy, are you kidding? Are you kidding? No I got to pay for a build no stadium. That's where my taxpayer yep. dollars are going. So, But, uh, yeah, so that's how I know Bobby, and Bobby has spent – the last three years out in Baltimore. And that's where I want to start, Bobby, because I am beyond interested right now in the current situation the Baltimore Ravens are seeing themselves in. You look at the draft class in which Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are taken. Baker Mayfield, new team. Sam Darnold, new team. Josh Rosen, essentially out of the league. Josh Allen, a budding top three quarterback in this league. You go all the way down to Lamar Jackson, end of the first round, a steal for Baltimore, and he's the only one out of that group to win an MVP, he came out of the shoots, looking like he might be the best of the group. I think it's safe to say right now Josh Allen has taken the lead, but Lamar Jackson, easily the second best. He's got the MVP, and he has clearly shown that he is worthy of another contract, so you'd think He's the only one right now, Bobby, that either hasn't been shipped off to a new team or hasn't signed a contract. And I know it's very odd. His mom is his agent, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. What, is the, what is the current storyline in Baltimore surrounding the situation with Lamar and his future with the Ravens? Anticipation. You know, this, this fan base is obviously – at a loss for words at this point, you know, they don't know to your point who behind closed doors is the one that's calling the shots for Lamar at the same time. I think he's getting killed nationally. Right. But yeah. I actually think he deserves, he and his camp who's at whoever is in that camp, Felicia Jones is his mother who you alluded to. 
I think they deserve a little bit of credit for the moves that they're making. The more he sits back, especially with his resume, I know that it, some folks have a sour taste in their mouth coming off of last year. He wasn't available for, for when they needed him down the stretch. That's the bottom line. Uh, but the bottom line also is that when you take a look at the regular season record, okay, well, you know, uh, the, the losing postseason record is not going to cut it. He understands that. He's the first to, uh, to hold himself accountable when it comes to that. Uh, one of those was pretty familiar territory for your audience, I would say right? So. I would say In the so. divisional round game. Everybody, everybody in Baltimore, the one thing they talk about during that game, the errant snap. Patrick McCarry was the mm. uh, backup center. Uh, Matt Skura had to leave the game. And next thing you know, the errant snap led to that concussion near the end zone um, in, in the Ravens' territory that, that knocked Lamar out of that game. They will never, ever forget that because now Patrick McCarry, a couple of years later, Zach, is, is up for the potential starting spot in 2022. But anyway, uh, my point here is that I, I think that he deserves a little bit more credit than he's getting nationally speaking when it comes to the way that he's handling this. The more deals that get done, the more leverage he has. Let's face it. Yeah. And so – at the same time, he doesn't seem as if he is in any rush whatsoever. Uh, I'm not sure he's taking the Tom Brady team-friendly team New England type of discount. I'm not sure he's taking that route. But let's see. I mean, he's coming up on year five. He's got the cap hit. Uh, the the fifth-year option has been obviously picked up. That's $23 million and change for this upcoming season. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised, Zach, if we're talking about this exact, exact same situation this time next year, and he ends up taking the DAC route, betting on himself, getting the franchise tag potentially placed on him for his sixth year. And then after that, boy, it's <laughs> Baltimore's going to be cooked, man. They, they are just already up in arms about this situation. Well, here's the problem with that. You wait that long, and then Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert territory comes around the corner. I can't imagine the money they'll be commanding. I, we talk about Josh Allen's contract on here often. Going into the year Last year, I was in the camp of I don't mind waiting to see how things pan out because oftentimes, you know, the money can always be figured out down the line. The player, on the other hand, it's a different story. We've seen it happen numerous times. Uh, the best example in recent memory, of course, is Carson Wentz. We know what happens when you pay a guy, it doesn't pan out, and it's an all, all of a sudden. Yeah. But, but for the Bills, obviously, Josh Allen, one of one talent, they understood that, took care of it right out of the, the, the shoots, essentially, the first opportunity they had. And as you look at it now, the Josh Allen contract looks like a bargain compared to what you're you're speaking of. The longer you wait, the more money this goes on. I mean, we're seeing what's going on with the wide receiver market currently. That's approaching quarterback numbers, meaning the quarterback numbers are only going to continue to rise. And like you had said, Lamar is in a, a good situation where if the Ravens do decide to move off, which I would be utterly shocked at, what are their options there? And you can't tell me there's not a litany of teams willing to go after a guy like Lamar Jackson. I guess the question for me, at least, is what's the hesitation within the Baltimore organization? Because you mentioned the DAC contract, and that to me will always stand out because – Jerry Jones, a multi-billion dollar businessman who very rarely gets taken for a ride, in my opinion, got taken for a ride by Dak Prescott because they paid him numerous times without committing to him, then finally did commit to him. And it made the, to me, it made Dallas look bad. You didn't, you didn't commit to your guy and you're kind of beating around the bush. From what you're saying, it looks like Baltimore is trying to take the same approach. 
The question, I guess, is why? What is it about Lamar that the Ravens aren't willing to get in a long-term relationship with, at least now? As far as Jerry's concerned, maybe if he would set set aside some less time uh, media availability wise sure. per week, he he wouldn't let these loopholes. He likes his, into yacht, his That's for sure. Into his organization. I mean, this guy speaks. You know, here in Baltimore, Steve Bisotti is not exactly visible. Matter yeah. of fact, he spoke at the owners' meetings in a small little scrum with local reporters for the first time, and I believe over two years. I think it was like three years. So that was obviously a big deal. Um, you know, here's what's being misconstrued about the Lamar situation, Zach. Um, he he is the one that's holding this up. Mm. The Ravens aren't. That's what we're. That's what we've been told, right? It's Lamar that's the one that's that's not as Adam Schefter put it uh, before one of the. And I know Adam's a controversial name to bring up these days, and he did I, put I out that you. apology, uh, deservingly so, to to Dwayne. You know, quick aside, look. I, I'm I'm all for the those that oppose cancel culture, right? To me, this is a completely different situation. It was just insensitive. That's all it was. It was just insensitive to bring up a guy's struggles when we're talking about a lost life. Anyway, no, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I look at because yeah. you're you're you you majored in the same thing I went to school for broadcasting. There's there's a part of it where I see it, and I'm glad you brought this up because I think there's two ways to look at it. When I look at it from the broadcasting journalism side of things, when it comes down to a factual and accurate standpoint, yes, Adam Schefter, he put out the correct facts in regard to Dwayne Haskins. That doesn't mean it isn't tone deaf. You, you can be journalistically correct and not also be, you know, and also be completely insensitive to the yep. situation. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't think Adam Schefter he he deliberately is not out there to cause a problem. And I know we've seen this numerous times now from Sheffy this year, but yes. like you said, he, he, there's a time and a place to get into his career. The young man just died tragically. You, you, you yep. need to leave it at that and that alone for a bit. I'm glad you brought and that Zach, up. Zach, you know, regardless of whether or not it was, because let's be honest, when you're at his stature and at ESPN, the mothership, there is a digital team that's in place yeah. that could potentially have posted something, right? Regardless if it was that or not, uh, it, it's just, it's insensitive and he's become robotic. That's what he's become. And that to me is a, a product of how demanding the gig is. There could be some laziness in that, whatever it might be. So uh, I just thought it was it was insensitive, and he apologized. So let's move forward. It was, <laughs> um, but it was, but um, back to your the same, just to, not to harp on it, but back to your situation. The same exact thing happened with the Deshaun Watson situation, yeah. where he well, was even worse. Yeah, even that worse. was worse. Right, yeah. and that, that was that was a, good a way questioning the law. Basically, <laughs> you're right. You're right. It was essentially yeah. saying, and and how much weight did that hold, Bobby? Because as soon as that news came out, everybody was knocking on the Watson door, even though not much had changed. He was still facing all of those civil suits. So, you know, it, it is it, it, the statute, the, the situation he's in is a rare one. And I think in this day and age, when you got to be the first to get things out, that oftentimes leads to error. But the way you put yeah. it is perfect robotic. There's got to be a human ele element to these things. And sometimes that's lacking on Twitter, you yeah. know. And, and in, that, in that Deshaun Watson case, he essentially diminished, demeaned yeah. the, the claims of those 22 women that are out there, right? I mean, that was just, that was just ridiculous. So Agreed. anyway, the reason why the Lamar Jackson situation is being misconstrued is because we've been told here on the, the, uh, the outskirts here, uh, or at least, you know, somewhat close to, uh, because they are a fortress. 
The Lamar Jackson camp is a fortress. When you don't have an agent, think about how many things don't get leaked. Right. Uh, there, there is no way of, of communication, of, of information gathering. So what we do know is that it's it's on Lamar. He's the one that's he's betting on himself, much like he did last year. He could have had a deal wrapped up for over a year now. So, you know, I, I kind of admire that. It's also pretty frightening knowing the way he plays the game and, and how last year we – we're reminded that although he has seen, he has um, proven to be Superman-like at times, he was human last year, and and that's scary. So again, big bump this year with a twenty-three million dollar cap hit for the team. But as you talked about, when it comes to market standard, especially at the wide receiver position, at the quarterback position, that's a hell of a bargain for a former MVP. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that that oftentimes gets overlooked with Lamar. I don't know what it is about him in particular. I think it's just got to be the way he plays the game. You've never seen somebody with the start to their career the way he had it be in so much question as time continued to roll on. It's constantly and we understand that a bit in Buffalo. Josh Allen, nobody wanted to accept the fact that he was a superstar until honestly about, you know, last year really put the nail in it. I think people finally accepted it, but a lot of, you know, 99% of us in Buffalo understood it the year prior, what we had, especially compared to what we had had for the eternity of being a Bills fan prior to that. And I think it took the rest of, you know, the nation time to come around to it. You keep saying Lamar's betting on himself and the Ravens aren't the ones holding it up. What is it about? What is the difference between the two camps right now that is, holding things up. What does Lamar want that the Ravens currently aren't willing to budge on? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. Nobody knows. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to the fortress. Not even the national reporters, not even the beat reporters in town. No one knows. Not even his his inner circle. I mean, maybe his inner circle. And if they are, they're the most trusted people ever. And they're keeping this thing, the fortress that it is. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the no, no bullshit. I have no idea. Yeah. So... And that's what makes this situation so unique. It's fascinating. Yeah. And that's why I love it. I mean, look, I'm talking to a Buffalo audience here, right? Buffalo and Baltimore, similar towns, blue collar, right? And, uh, you know, you could say Pittsburgh's within that realm as sure. well. Maybe, maybe Buffalo takes the cake out of those three towns. How about that? <laughs> yeah. huh? That's my New York roots. I'll give that to, I'll enough, give that to you guys. But, um, but dude, I, I'm telling you, that's what makes this – um, a situation unlike any other in what we've seen in today's game. So I respect the hell out of him. I hope, obviously, him betting on himself pays off for him, the player, the person. Uh, but he's he's gambling, man. He is yeah. gambling because the way he plays the game with reckless abandon, mm-hmm. which is great, which is phenomenal, which is highlight-driven and all that stuff, highlight-worthy. You see him all over the top ten. It's it's All it takes is one play. We've, yep. we've seen that time and time again. So. I'm not going to BS you up here. I have yeah, absolutely sure. no idea. You yeah. know, uh, Scotty coming in here with the super chat asking about Dwayne Haskins. We, we topped it off in the beginning of the show, Scotty, but obviously we're, you know, I mean, Bobby's a young dude. I'm a young dude. And anytime this happens, no matter if you're an athlete or not, it's tragic, but to know that guy had his whole career ahead of him. Um, it's just beyond tragic, beyond sad. And and like we said earlier, you know, prayers with Haskins and uh, the entire 
the entire community there. It's just, I, I, I noticed on Twitter, man, there was, you know, oftentimes when you're talking about a player who isn't a star, it doesn't get a lot of recognition during the season. You know, you don't hear about him often, but man, it really seemed like Dwayne Haskins was a hell of a character in the locker room, man. People seem to love him. When you're a standout power five quarterback yeah. and, and had a heck of a career at Ohio State, then that, that's absolutely going to be the case. And let's be honest, he was very well known yep. for some of his, you know, look, Gil Brandt alluded to this probably, again, insensitively. Others have as well on social media. But for some of his antics, for some of his missteps in the NFL, namely as as a Washington quarterback or commanders, whatever the hell they're I, I'll never days. get used to that. <laughs> he, was, he was more well-known, unfortunately, at the professional level. We're just speaking facts now. At the professional level, he was more well-known for some of his missteps, unfortunately. Who knows how his career would have panned out. Uh, but but again, when a loss of life is involved, remembering him as a as a son, as a brother, as right. a human being, as a heck of an athlete is, is what should be first and foremost. And I feel like that's what was lost over the weekend. No question. So back to the Lamar thing, because this is very it's beyond interesting to me. And I think I look at it from the perspective of the Bills fan. And I I realize that could very easily be Josh Allen. It's the same draft class. It's the same situation. It's just two different organizations handling the situation differently. I look at the situation with Aaron Rodgers, and I'm thinking about the way you're describing Lamar. And what I don't like about it, and I'm wondering what the sentiment right now is in Baltimore, Aaron Rodgers, everything was cards to the vest, very vague, very you know nonchalant. I, I, and, and that, to me... Love watching Aaron Rodgers on the field, but as a if I was a Packers fan, that would have gotten old quick. What is what's the vibe right now in Baltimore in in pursuit of the uh, wrong word choice? What's the vibe right now in Baltimore as a fan of Lamar Jackson? Are people getting a little fed up with him not coming out and speaking on this? It's hard to <laughs> group portions of the fan base, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm right now. You just as as you're asking me that question, I'm thinking about. So I, I've built my my biggest Ravens audience is on Facebook, and the comment sections, as you know, oh, yeah. just in, in general on social media can get rabid. And, and so I'm just I'm just thinking about a couple of my recent Lamar <laughs> posts, and, and I just you know I cycle through them and sure. I just take a look at at what the hell everybody's saying. And there is there is a mixture of of crap and support, and then somewhere in between, you know. But but there's there's support for the guy, you know. They know he's the franchise quarterback. They know he deserves to be paid. But there is that anxiety as well when when you see some of those reports. I'm not saying there's any merit to these reports, but when you see some of those reports that the Ravens are going to do, um, you know, what what's really unthinkable in today's NFL, which is move on from your former first round pick after five years and potentially take that that road from a salary cap standpoint. You know, you see yeah. those types of reports float around. I don't think they're going to do that. But uh, the, the more time that, that's burned here and really no communication from either camp, right? right? When the Ravens side of things, Zach, when they come out and talk about this at press conferences, they have recently, and it's most recently from the owners' meetings, the end of season press conferences and getting ready for the, uh, it was the pre-draft press con um, press conference the front office put on about a week ago. Their message was Lamar, <laughs> the polite way of saying politically, politically correct. Lamar, Lamar's the one that's holding this up. So it's very clear that, um, 
know, the LJ8 camp is is why a deal has not gotten done. So my, my point here is that the time, the more time that buzzes here and, and moves forward, that they're getting restless. Yeah. The refs coming any in. any fan base would be. Well, of course. And the refs coming in here, Bobby. And this is something I see all the time. And this is what I was referring to earlier. I've never seen a guy win an MVP be so discounted within just a variety of different groups, right? Like you said, you were thinking about the different groups of Ravens fans. Speaking from my experience in Buffalo, good luck finding a single soul on the planet who would say Josh Allen's shit doesn't smell like roses. I mean, that's where we're at with Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson, it's a bit different situation. I mean, I'm seeing different takes on him nonstop. When you hear Lamar is overrated, you've covered him for three years, your initial response is, let me just preface this because of the audience that I'm speaking to tonight, that I think Josh Allen is absolutely spectacular. Uh, I think he is the, the the best game of the year was down the stretch. Who was their opponent again? Was it was it the Chiefs? Oh, in the what, divisional what game? The, what, yeah, what was the game down the yeah, stretch? Kansas it was in City. the 50s. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kansas City Buffalo. I thought that was one of the best games that I've seen, not just within recent memory, all time. Unreal. That had star power. That had lead changes. That had back and forth. That had quarterback, you know, elite play. I mean, it was incredible. And and he was a big part of of why it was so uh, amazing. The product of of what was put forth that night. So right. let me just say that you know Josh is generational, and I hope he's in Buffalo for forever. With that said, you know about in regards to your question about Lamar, because he's different, because he is Michael Vick esque. Different creates these types of narratives. People become uncomfortable. He is he is very unique. And obviously the way he plays the game, I, I referenced this phrase earlier on, it's with reckless abandon. But guess what? That reckless abandon has won the Ravens a freaking lot of games these last four years, regular season-wise. I know. I always want to make sure I specify that. Um, but – to me, he's sensational. When plays break down is when he's at his best. I know Josh has that ability as well. The sidearm throws pretty freaking incredible, like Mahomes. They both do that incredibly. And I, I don't think Josh gets enough credit, by the way, for his lateral quickness. You're a, you, his, you, you, you just made a lot of friends right there, Bobby, believe me. Because hey, we're always I'm, like, oh, Mahomes I'm not bullshit will be all over I know. I'm not bullshit. I'm, I'm serious. He's, yeah. he's like deceivingly quick. Yeah. And obviously, oh, Lamar's yeah. not deceiving. There's nothing about Lamar's. There's nothing deceiving about Lamar's quickness. I mean, he's electric. So, uh, you know, some of the things that he receives criticism about nationally, throwing outside the numbers, absolutely, I agree. He's working on that um, diligently throughout the course of the offseason. One thing he's lacking is out of his control, and that's a true X. That's a true number one wide receiver. I know you guys have that in Buffalo. All the greats typically do. And while they hope that Rashad Bateman is that guy, I'm not convinced yet. It's hard to be convinced when he was barely available. I shouldn't say that. He was available down the stretch for the majority of the second half of the year, first half of the year he's dealing with. And I'm talking about the wide receiver out of Minnesota for those folks who, who aren't familiar with this kid. They're expecting, they're hoping that he can be their number one guy. But, Zach, they don't have, I'm sorry, Marquise Brown he, he doesn't he's not Tyreek Hill and he's certainly not an Anquan Bolden type. They don't have your overwhelming X guy who's going to win you every single 50 50 ball. Who's going to overwhelm you in the red zone in the end zone for those balls in the corner. Like it's, they just don't have them. 
And without that guy, their offense can't go to new heights like I think they could with Lamar. Scotty coming in here. He's saying Jordan Poyer wants extension like Stephon Diggs. Uh, just got uh, Jordan Poyer's got a new agent. Yes. And he even said that he wants to end his career in Buffalo who wouldn't. So hopefully they'll get something done. Um, that to me is awfully annoying because the second we get done with one contract extension, that seemed to be uh, a big thorn in the side of Bill's fans, the way Stefan Diggs was taken to social media. That's the new thing nowadays. We're seeing that with Debo Samuel. He just took down all of his stuff uh, regarding San Francisco. This is the way you, you um, show your your desire for a new contract. You go to social media, and we all know now that as soon as Diggs was signed, Rachel Bush, Jordan Poyer's wife, was taking to social media. Look, Jordan Poyer is aging at a position that I think the Bills would be less likely to pay an older uh, player at than they would at the wide receiver position. With that said, we all know how valuable Poyer is to the team. So, so much going on there, right? Because you can't pay everybody. We know this, but we got – digs under contract and what Bobby is saying right now is something that Bill's fans are beyond lucky to be able to experience and that's a true wide receiver one Stefan Diggs just became the second highest paid wide receiver in the league in terms of guaranteed money and deservingly so what Bobby is speaking to is the fact that Lamar Jackson does not have a true one and when you don't have a true one it's incredibly hard to be a threat down the field. And we have talked about this time and time again. Every single time the Bills have added a weapon to this offense, Josh Allen has gotten increasingly better. We saw it with John Brown to Cole Beasley to Stephon Diggs. The emergence all of a sudden of Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox, it all comes together. Bob, you bring up a great point, and it's something I wanted to bring up during this show. The Bills just get Diggs under contract and it was a huge move. The Bills had to do it because when you look at their roster and the way things are going moving forward, Diggs by far is the biggest piece of this offense outside of Josh Allen in the pursuit of their success. When you look at the Ravens and I look at Lamar Jackson's situation, he's constantly discounted for his throwing ability. But like you just alluded to, when your number one receiver is Marquise Brown, which would probably be a wide receiver two, maybe three on most teams, it's tough to look at it in the same lens. Why hasn't Baltimore attacked that position specifically like we've seen other teams this offseason do? We've seen Tyreek get insane money. Devontae Adams get crazy money. What is it about the Ravens and their inability to get Lamar a guy that could potentially take him to that next level in the air? Yeah. Before diving into this, too, like some of you have uh, have written in the comment section, like Lester, uh, don't think I'm discounting the impact that Mark Andrews has made. Right. He's a tight end. I'm, I'm not including him in this conversation. I'm not discounting what he's done. I think he's a bona fide top three tight end. He's proven that in this league. But he's not a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. He has other other roles and duties that a wide receiver doesn't don't don't have. So, um let, let me just let me just preface that with that. Sure. To answer your question, a couple guys have passed on Baltimore, man. About a year ago, Juju Smith-Schuster, he he was out there. Now that might have been because of the in division factor of it. Pittsburgh and Baltimore don't exactly get along, but uh, some names have just said, "Hey, I don't want to play for a run-first offense," and I respect that. They've also missed. They've straight up missed on a couple opportunities. Um, 
Rashad Perryman comes to mind. Now he's still playing in the league. He's kind of resurrecting his career down there in Tampa. You might add uh, towards the end of his, probably towards the end of his career. Yeah, him and everybody else, looking, right? Yeah, he's looking for one more ring. To, exactly. Everybody's showing up there. You know, know, milking every last thing. That 40, 40, 44 or 45, 44, right? He'll be forty-five he could be for this season. At this point. I think he won't. Yeah. It won't. End. It just won't. End. <laughs> I think he turns forty-five in August. If I'm not mistaken, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, between missing on guys, right, they're, they're wide receivers. How about this? I just saw somebody reference uh, Marquise Brown within the last couple of messages. He became, this year, uh, when he eclipsed his uh, first 1,000-yard receiving season, he became the first homegrown wide receiver in the 26-year history of this organization to do so. What I mean by homegrown is that they drafted him. Mm. They didn't pick him up later on in their career like Steve Smith Sr. or Anquan Bolden or you name it. Think about that. They have missed so significantly. And the great general manager that Ozzie Newsom was, and Eric DaCosta hopefully one day, one day hopes to be, they've missed. <laughs> Just missed. So um, it's – I don't – there's, there's no rhyme or reason for, for that answer. Obviously, there's a number of different uh, factors that I'm presenting here, Zach. But yeah. like I'm saying, he, he needs that guy. I'm not sure Marquise is that guy. And while while Mark Andrews is, like I said, he's, he's proven to be a hell of a target. He's durable. He's tough. He's gritty, uh, gutsy, and all those adjectives. But until you have that overwhelming number one option like Diggs, like Adams, like Gronkowski back in the day, you name it. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be tough to consistently. And they and look, their offense has proven to be, uh, you know, they've shown the fireworks. But last year, they were pedestrian. For sure, the ref coming in saying, the bottom line is this for any team: Do you trust your QB to win a Super Bowl? If there's any doubt whatsoever, are they worth the long term money? Now, this is a great point by the ref because there's two ways to look at this and they're both incredibly difficult. You could say the same thing. And the one person that always comes to mind when it comes to this specific topic is Kirk Cousins. Because Kirk Cousins, when you look at him at face value, I'm not putting any stake in Kirk Cousins winning me a Super Bowl. Now, on the other hand, when I, if I'm Minnesota and I look at the draft and I look at the QB market, I think to myself, I have two options here. I either downgrade because there's no way right off the bat I find somebody who's as good as Kirk Cousins to fill the role, or two, I just pay Kirk Cousins and hope to God that we continue to increase our, uh, you know, our win percentage each year behind a quarterback who's not great, who's not terrible. It just is what it is. And Kirk Cousins has made a fortune being a pedestrian quarterback, perhaps on the <laughs> upper value side of that, right? So Dude, it's, he's it's gonna be on the payroll. He's gonna yeah. be on the payroll in Minnesota and Washington for years to come. Dude, we're back. gonna have families by the time he's still on finishing Who's up on the payroll. Than Kirk Cousins, Bobby. Nobody. <laughs> the guy has taken Joe the Flacco lead. Has done it pretty well. <laughs> Joey Joey Flacco. Let me tell you what he has done well. I, I look at a few of these quarterbacks around the league that are able to do that. And the reason they are is because it's not as easy and look no further than where we sit right now as bills fans. You think if it was that easy, we would have had to wait 25 years since Jim Kelly for a Josh Allen to roll along. It just doesn't happen. And I look at Lamar and look at, I mean, yeah, it, he might not be the most incredible down the field passer. He might be a bit erratic at times. Like Bobby said, he's different. 
but he's also one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen at the position. He won an MVP right out of the gate. And if you're looking at Baltimore's current situation, how do they do better in the recent in, in, in recent time here, recent years coming up than what they currently have? So that question to me, Bobby, I don't know how you look at that. When you think Lamar Jackson, do you think Super Bowl or do you think, you know what? I don't know if he has that in him, but he's good enough to make the Ravens a contender for a long time. Is there, is there two different ways you look at it, or do you see him yeah. as that Super Bowl quarterback? The latter is is certainly – that has to be true at this point, or I have to believe it at this point. Yeah. Right? The, the Super Bowl aspect of things is, is a tough conversation. I mean, I noticed that throughout that – can you hear me well, by the way? Is yeah, my mic I got you good, man. Too far? Good. Yeah, I'm going to bring my mic in a little bit here. Um, What I noticed, having been – you know, at the majority of his press conferences throughout his career now and had a couple of one-on-ones here and there when I was a part of the, the radio team with, with, with Baltimore. Mm-hmm. He came out of the gate, speaking, you know, to use your term there, out of the gate, just absolutely, um, what's the right word for it? Obsessing over the Super Bowl and all things Super Bowl. Like he just... That's all he could talk about. And I felt like that was just like the competitor in him, maybe his nervousness up there. I don't know. He was just constantly talking about his admiration, his his aspiration for the Super Bowl in Baltimore. And sometimes he would even use plural. And I think the maturation process that we've seen throughout the course of the last maybe year or so is actually that dwindling. He's not talking about that as much. Mm. So I have a hard time answering that. I don't know what he has inside of him when it comes to postseason football, because the, the small sample size right now record tells you that, yeah, there's, there's um, a lot left to be desired, but at the same time, I know that, that he, he, like you said, he's built different. He's not your average quarterback. He's, he's very, um, man, very authentic, right? Super authentic. I'm talking about like, I think a, a couple of weeks ago, he had this party in the suburbs of of Baltimore, and all these rappers. Yeah, Kodak were Black invited. was the headliner. Kodak I saw it. Black. Yeah, yeah. Featured he featured this thing. He's like boys <laughs> with Kodak, so he's very true to himself. He still hangs out with the guys that, for for lack of a better term, he was probably chilling in the streets of South Florida with as a high schooler. He's been loyal to that group. I admire that. Um, the, the, the only thing that you can, if, if there's only one thing that you can criticize this dude about in terms of off the field stuff from his rookie year, an Instagram story that showed his speedometer uh, on his car going 110 miles an hour when he was just going down the highway sober during the middle of the day. If that's the only thing that you can get on this dude about, yeah, I mean. Won't you take that? <laughs> I mean, it was the same with Josh what's Allen. What's going on in Cleveland? Yeah, oh, right. I mean, come on. Josh Allen had a rap. He had a rap lyric on Twitter, and then it, that was a whole thing. We we everybody's always trying to. Everybody's always trying to find something to knock everybody down a peg. It was the same thing with Stephon Diggs yeah. when the Bills traded for him. He was going to be a locker room cancer. He was going to. He was going to infinitely decrease in talent being thrown the ball from Josh Allen. 
we all know how that panned out, right? There's always these aspects. I love Lamar Jackson and authentically, or using the word authentic is perfect. I brought this up last week. He had me dying. Somebody tweeted at him last week that uh, <laughs> he he played as him in Madden and they lost by 110 and Lamar uh, replied to him and said, oh, he put him to sleep. Yeah, he said, your ass, go play 2K. <laughs> and I thought that was great. I thought it was yep. great. Lamar seems like there's so many things I love about him. The interviews are great. When he calls Lisa Salters, Miss Lisa, it's my favorite thing. Like you said, he is just an authentic guy. I love that about so many different players in this league currently, because like you mentioned, that is one thing that you're only talked about in that way when you're doing something wrong. You are never given credit for being the guy who's the upstanding person at the podium in public. Josh Allen is a perfect example. I mean, I look at Baker Mayfield's situation. I am of, of the firm belief if Baker was a different guy, if he had a different personality, he'd still be the quarterback in Cleveland today. I, or at least sure. he signed with another team. Look at him. Yeah. Same quarterback yeah. draft class. He doesn't even have a market right now. So that's yeah. huge. That's a huge yeah. aspect of things. When looking at that particular draft class in itself, though, it's amazing to see. It's it? amazing, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it? So yeah. I, I look at Lamar yeah. and I, I can't help but root for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it just yeah. seems like it seems like as we've seen his career unfold, there's more questions than answers when originally it just felt like he was the answer. Yes. One thing that you got me thinking about with Baker is, as as Ronald talks, I think he's uh, alluding to the uh, progressive commercials here. But, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, Look, I, I got to give uh, – I don't know how folks are going to feel about this, but I kind of have somewhat of – I feel like I'm, I need to defend him a little bit coming mm -hmm. off of this year because, remember, he could have shut it down, right? He had the dislocated Agreed. shoulder. He had all kinds of issues with his body. Something on the lower half. Was it uh, – was He was destroyed. He was, he, he was just destroyed out there. He, he had a number of setbacks physically. Yep. And I remember reading an article from, I think, Jake Trotter, who's the ESPN beat guy out in Cleveland, who essentially said he was ignoring doctor's orders to shut it down. And this was with a good chunk of the season left, and they were very much still in the hunt. Yep. So I, I kind of admire, I kind of respect his, his that, that, that gutsy competitor within him that decided, you know what? Case Keenum, Case Keenum's not going to be the guy to lead this team down the stretch. It's going to be me. I'm the former number one overall pick. Let's do it. And I, I like that. Now, it obviously didn't work out in his favor. And now things have significantly unraveled for him, not only in Cleveland, but professionally. To your point, where is he going to end up? That's, is he going to end crazy. up in Carolina? Is he going to end up in New Orleans? I mean, where, where is this dude going to end up? Probably not New Orleans. Jameis has got that spot, right? right. Is he going to end up in Seattle? So uh, I, I just – it's it's crazy. I'm kind of with you. I, I think they they may have pulled the plug a little bit early on a guy who I, I would have to think that he's somewhat beloved in Cleveland. Right? I, I mean, well, he brought him to the he brought him to what they hadn't been to in quarter century, however long it had been. Right? Look, he he beats Pittsburgh in the playoffs, and I'm I'm not I'm not a gigantic fan of Baker, which is funny because I was a huge fan of his coming out of Oklahoma, but it's amazing how that personality, the same personality can alter when you are successful. And when you're not, you like successful. Baker. I, I currently in the, in this moment, right coming out, I love the swagger. I loved the, 
uh, underdog mentality, which in fairness, he was the, the underdog. He was a walk on, you know, never yeah. highly sought after. I respect that. You get to the league and you have a roster like you have in Cleveland. And let's be frank. I mean, they did get to the playoffs. They did get a win. But with that roster, Bobby, they underachieved It's pretty significantly. And he was always a story. And that's the one thing that as a fan of any organization, I just don't, I don't like that. I don't like when there's distractions, whether they're big or small, because as you know, like you were just talking about with the hundred mile an hour thing with Lamar, it's nothing until somebody makes it something. And then all of a sudden it's everything. And you know how Twitter works. The smallest thing is the biggest thing. So to me, it, it ended poorly, and the, the icing on the cake was you seek Deshaun Watson. And this is what happened with Matt Ryan, too. Before they yeah. even closed the deal, you letting that cat out of the bag that you're in pursuit of another guy immediately yeah. tarnishes the relationship. Now, I thought Baker was going to go to Indianapolis, and as soon as they moved Matt Ryan, it, to me, Bobby, I'm still shocked. I thought that somebody would have taken a waiver on Baker by now, and now we're realizing, mm-hmm. like, that's the difference right now, too, between that draft class. If the Ravens let Lamar Jackson go tomorrow, he's on another team within a couple of days. That's how I feel. Baker, on the other hand, has shown there really isn't a market for him. And if there is, like you mentioned, Seattle, who who today might be the one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, Carolina, go duke it out with Sam Darnold. I mean, it's it's wild to see him go from where he was to where he currently is. Does Pete Carroll know something that we don't? Because I don't he's think in he the tail end of his career. What is he, 70 years old, 69, somewhere around there? Hopefully 69. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> why is he not hanging it up? I mean, there's no is there, Does he know something that we don't? Is, is Malik Willis an absolute stud? I mean, what's going on? Can he pick it? Whoever's going to end up in there? I don't know. I, I find that. I find it's that a complete rebuild. He's too old to be a part of it. And I can't believe, I can't believe yeah. that that's the direction they went in where they stuck with him. And as soon as Bobby Wagner left, that completely indicated that this team is building from top up. I'm shocked they haven't dealt DK yet. But yeah, yeah it, Wagner it's amazing. Uh, passed on Baltimore, by the way. Is that right? Yeah. Wagner po- passed on Baltimore. A lot of folks were, were thinking here locally, uh, probably just as a way to take a shot at the general, you know, the, yeah. the front office of Baltimore. They thought that it wasn't a sweet enough offer when really he went on McAfee, you know, a couple of days later and just said, look, I, I, I've spread my roots out here. I'm on the West coast. My family's here. He just wanted to stay home and probably try to snag another title with the freaking Rams who sure. were becoming the Buccaneers basically, except their quarterbacks a little bit younger. You know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it is amazing what they're doing and they're, I mean, matter of fact, they're they're kind of they're they're putting this this system, this process upside down when it comes to the philosophy of the draft, right? Sure. I mean, this is amazing. Sure. What they're doing. Well, look at who's and won the last bad. two. You feel bad for golf, man. I was thinking about Jared Goff the other day. I don't know what I was doing. I was like coming back from the grocery store and I was putting my groceries away for whatever reason. I thought about it. I said, damn. I know he's a millionaire and everything and everything's fine, but damn, how is Jared Goff doing right? Like he's going to be struggling, man, right? I mean, listen, the, the, the thing that's got to hurt the most is it worked. You move Stare. off of him yeah. and immediately win it. And to yeah. know that that could have been you Gosh. and you didn't even get in the end zone against New England Stare. in that Super Bowl and you go and get Stafford, it immediately works. Yeah. And you yep. knew Sean McVay he wanted golf gone bad and that relationship was immediately severed. You send him to the depths of hell 
in the NFL, which is the Detroit Lions. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, honest to God, yeah, there's an element of you that from a human perspective to look at that situation to where he was to where he is now. Yeah. I mean, of course you feel bad for the guy. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's from, ra- no, it's from riches to rags, the complete opposite exactly. of what it usually is, you know? Exactly. Let me ask you a hypothetical, Bobby, because this interests me. There's so many things that happen in the league. If Matt Ryan wins up 28 to three against the Patriots, we don't discuss whether or not he's a fringe Hall of Famer, despite all the records he's broken, the MVP, the, the yards he's put up throughout his career. He's probably in the Hall of Fame, right? Same goes for Eli. You know, David Tyreek doesn't catch uh, that ball. Eli might not be a Hall of Famer. He doesn't beat the Patriots twice. Yeah. If Lamar Jackson doesn't throw that pick six to Teron Johnson and they're in the red zone, they're on the 10-yard line, and they actually get into the end zone, they beat Buffalo on the road in the divisional and move on to the AFC Championship. Does Lamar have a new contract today? Oh, boy. I hadn't thought about that one. (laughs) You know, something tells me probably not based on this situation Mm. because of how unique it is. Then again, winning cures all, right? So are the Ravens more, right. you know, more likely to be a little loosey goosey in their negotiations, perhaps. But to me, this is just—it's such a unique, unusual situation that that he finds himself in. He's choosing to be in. Let's let's be clear there. That um, I'm not sure it would have mattered, but boy. I like that hypothetical, though, man. Yeah. How, how different would things have been, you know? Well, Look, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to um, – I don't want to – you know, you're steering us here. But I was taking a look. I've been following the Buffalo offseason very, yeah. very closely. And I just get the sense – and I was listening to some local radio and some local podcasting uh, before I came on. It just seems like everybody, unlike the Ravens fan base this offseason, right, because – Aside from the Marcus Williams signing, which I think is huge for the secondary, it has been re- relatively underwhelming. Sure, they whiffed they whiffed on Bobby Wagner, and that was the signature whiff. And now the fan base is obviously pretty upset about it. To me, what is the fan base in Buffalo right now yearning for? What has been left to be desired? Because it seems as if they're like, what's the big priority going into the draft? I wonder. Corner, well, corner, one hundred percent. This offseason, and it's it's just – from my age growing up with this team, who was abysmal. And, I mean, when I say abysmal, I mean it was never – it was never two and 14, but it was never 14 and two. It was just good enough to it's never get over. It was awful. It's the worst place you can be warm. in this league. Yes, <laughs> because when you're lukewarm, you draft mid to low of the pack. You never get your guy. When they yeah. did wind up having a higher draft pick, they threw every single one out of the out of the window when it came to getting a legitimate quarterback. It just never worked yeah. out for years. Now we're all of a sudden thrown into this situation almost immediately once Josh Allen is drafted, where you go from – you know, they were decent with Tyrod and a great defense to, okay, we got our guy. Let's see what happens. So now all of a sudden you'd be hard pressed to rank them anywhere outside of the top four in the league. They went into this offseason with the understanding that they have a guy who is currently under a deal that has allowed the Bills to pay other assets to get to the promised land. And that's what we were talking about earlier. That's what the Rams have done. That's what the Bucks have done. People are realizing if you pay established players who have already proved themselves in the league and you have the quarterback, because that's the essential piece, 
That is how you wind up making your run. And we talked about this last week on the show, and it was it's amazing to really dissect what GM Brandon Bean has done. He had promised this fan base that he wasn't going to sell out. He was going to build through the draft. And it's exactly what he's done. And they built it up to the point where it needed it needed the extra pieces to get there. So what they've done is they've gone out and they've gotten a Von Miller. They've added to the D line, the O line. They've added OJ Howard at the tight end position. They've added wide receivers. They've re-signed digs. They've restructured all the guys that were on the fringe that they wanted to keep. The one area that they have not addressed is corner. And that's what everybody is thinking they're going to attack in the draft. But right now, Bobby, when it comes down to it, the only thing left at least in, in in my mind, is it's not even when it comes to personnel. They've proved what they can do with and without certain guys. Like last year, you know, Tredavious White, our best defensive player, arguably, goes down. They still look as dominant as ever while they're on the field. And you realize that they can get it done in a variety of different ways, but they have yet to get over the hump of the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs in the playoffs. Yeah. So. Right now, the one thing left, Bobby, is just proving that they can get to the promised land. They've been so close. So sure. that's that's the one thing you look at with this team. And I, I always say the crazy thing about where we're at is you go you, when you change from a bottom feeder to a top-tier team, your expectations immediately go from just wanting to get into the playoffs to immediately wanting to win a Super Bowl. And you don't even know where the time went. You know what I mean? Like your expectation. I just, for the longest time, but I mean, I just wanted a wild card game. I cried like a baby when yeah. speaking of the Ravens, the Bengals beat the Ravens, propelled the Bills into the wild card. They lose to Blake Bortles, and that was the greatest yeah. day of my life. And now things, you know, they're at where they're at now. So yeah. Yeah. it's it's pretty wild, and that's the one thing everybody wants right now. They just want to, I, I guess, take advantage of all that has been built in Buffalo over the last few years. And what they've yep. done this offseason is exactly that. So that's kind of what brings me to a point I wanted to talk to you about, because it always interests me because like you had mentioned, it's been pretty pedestrian for the Ravens this offseason. And I think, you know, we have taken for granted over the last couple of years, how truly amazing it's been in Buffalo and the moves that have been made when you're out covering a team that clearly needs to improve or needs to make moves to get to that next level. And they haven't necessarily done it when you see other teams take the lead, because it wasn't more than a couple of years ago where the Ravens were the top dog in the AFC and it's quickly changed. W- what is it about that current situation that you've seen the Ravens fall behind the rest of the AFC kind of take a leap towards that top tier? Cause the Ravens were right there. And, you know, obviously the injuries last year, but they have definitely taken a step back. And what is it you see as you cover the team that, you know, leads to that occurrence? Well, I can't point to anything else besides injuries. I, I, I'd be yeah. lying if I if I said anything else. I'd just be blowing smoke. You know, look, they weren't quite the, the Tennessee Titans last year who somehow were, were relevant at the end based on all the injuries and setbacks they had. But the Ravens were absolutely decimated. I mean, you had Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray running in the backfield at the end of the yep. season. So, that tells you all you need to know. Tyler Huntley was starting games. Josh Johnson started a game for them down the stretch. So, you know, they, they just 
that their offensive line was a disaster. Their former all pro left tackle went down. He had to call it quits after their, after week one in Vegas. I'm talking about Ronnie Stanley. They don't know his future. They paid him for those of you who don't know, by the way, in 2020, they paid him 24 hours before he suffered a significant ankle setback. And let's be honest, Zach, you know, these guys are, you know, six, four, six, five, six, 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 seven offensive tackles who are 300 plus pounds, ankle setbacks and, and, and injuries aren't exactly easy to overcome when you sure. are that type of physical specimen. So, you know, a lot of folks are wondering what his future is in not only in Baltimore, but his career in the NFL. So they, they've had a, a just just like I said, they've gotten absolutely swarmed, absolutely decimated with injury. We'll see what the rehab process is like. Modern medicine hopefully is on their side. And if it is, then I think this underwhelming free agency process could potentially um, kind of be swept under the rug with essentially, you know, I mean, basically, I think some folks are, are forgetting that there were so many key players injured that maybe the front office has an upward track, a, a fast track, a, a little in the know type of feeling about where they are in their rehabs, which has prompted them to be underwhelming and free agency because they feel like they're going to be back and ready to go. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. I mean, both sides of the ball yeah. were decimated. So um, that that's how I would answer that. Hey, when can I get to the Edmonds story? When, 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 when can we wow. tee this up? That's a great question. And, and uh, I was, I was actually waiting to get <laughs> into it because the one I'm guy right now here, I'm ready. Let's do it. The one you were talking earlier about, um, yeah. You know, what's the piece the Bills need? Well, the one piece that always comes up when it comes to potentially moving one of those pieces for another piece is Tremaine Edmonds. He's like one of these guys on yeah. this team. There's a, there's a there's a fence down the middle and there's people who want to keep them and there's people who desperately want to get rid of them. And he's one of those guys who's been, you know, he was drafted in the same draft class as Josh Allen. He hasn't been an overwhelming hit, but his athleticism and his potential, you know, that's what everybody always comes to. So I'm glad that you brought him up because he's constantly a polarizing topic within the Bills community. And as Easter comes up, you said <laughs> you would actually spend some time with Tremaine Edmonds yeah. during uh, the yeah. Easter holiday a few years back. All right. I just want to make sure we weren't going down a polarizing route here. You know, Not but, at uh, all. That's good. That's good. When I say polarizing, it just you can't bring him up without, without somebody saying they got to resign yeah. him or you, you got to trade him tomorrow. That's always what well, it is. God, I just remember watching him and, and out of coming out of college, and I thought to myself, this dude is insane, sideline to sideline yeah. speed. He's a physical specimen. He's a hell of a tackler. I know that 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 there's been some loopholes there in, in Buffalo and some key key moments. Uh, but you know, it sounds like some some folks that are chiming in here want him to stay, and and I yeah. would agree. So anyway, long story short, here I was working for uh, NBC Sports out of DC. Four years ago, and almost to the day, I was assigned to a, a feature story leading up to the draft. And a couple of us went to, we were invited to the Edmonds house. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the family, Tremaine is not the only football player in that star-studded group. You had the older brother, Trey, who had stints with the Saints, with the Steelers. You had um, Terrell, who's probably the most notable of the three, I guess, to start, because he's he's been in a pretty good situation in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And then you had Tremaine. And as everybody in Buffalo knows, though, Tremaine and – and not, not Trey, Tremaine and Terrell, if you can get that all down, all these T's, yeah. 
they made history back in 2018 as the only brothers ever to be drafted in the first round, as you guys know well. So anyway, we uh, we spent Easter with the family, Easter Sunday. We had dinner with them. We did a, we put together a feature story on them. And man, they're, they're a heck of a, a family. Their father played at the University of Maryland before going on to Miami. So it was a great experience for me right out of college. What does a meal look like in front of two oh. massive NFL defensive players? Dude, dude. So we were down in Danville, Virginia. For those of you who aren't familiar, literally like right on the Carolina border. It is like Southern Virginia in the sticks. These dudes went to like a school probably less than a thousand. I don't know how many kids were in there, but it was the sticks of Virginia. And uh, let's just say this, their father is bigger and taller than all of them. So we ate really well on <laughs> Easter Sunday and I'll never forget that holiday. It was pretty crazy. So he's a super soft spoken, as you know, he's yeah. a good dude. And I hope he, I hope he continues to make it. Cause I, I get the sense that I haven't watched him a lot, obviously after these, over the last few years, but I get the sense that all everything hasn't clicked quite yet. It hasn't clicked. It, I mean, we have Matt Milano, who is our stud linebacker. And when it comes to Tremaine Edmonds, I mean, like you had spoken on, just the sheer size of the dude, he's a freak. I mean, he's an athletic specimen. So you obviously take that into consideration when you're talking about his potential. There's just been there's been issues with the tackling, the pursuit towards the line. That's what comes up when you're speaking on Tremaine Edmonds. The one thing that you have to, you know, dial back and look at is, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze when it comes to the amount of money you're putting elsewhere? If it's not, what can you get out of Tremaine Edmonds? And he just seems like the one piece when you're talking about, well, if the bills need to upgrade here, how can they do it? There's not many guys the bills would be willing to move right now. He just seems like one that if you really step back and thought about it, if they were able to upgrade somewhere else, they may do it. But, you know, I, I think that when I think of him, that that's a an OG Brandon Bean pick. And I just I, I'd be shocked if they moved off of him, if they let him go, especially because, you know, he, he's got that potential. If, you, if he goes somewhere else, he could easily become a stud. And I still think he does have that potential. I just don't think we've. We've seen it quite yet, but as you know, you've seen him in person. I mean, oh, it dude. doesn't get more in, 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 you know, the dude's huge. He's huge. He's a sculpture. He's a sculpture. Let's yep. talk about, I, speaking of, speaking of, uh, I wanted to get into this with you because you're in a unique position covering the Ravens. When you look at that particular division, for the longest time, when it came down to that division, it was the Ravens or the Steelers and the Browns were a complete afterthought and they had always been. And the way things in the AFC have been shaking up, not only in that division, but just in general, you look at the Ravens last year and the injuries like you were talking about. I don't think I've seen a team get that decimated by injuries like, like the way they did in a long, long time. I mean, there's no way they yeah. could have overcome it. If they're back to full health this coming year, Bobby, with what's gone on in the AFC and not only in the AFC, but in that particular division with what you'll now have to deal with to get to the playoffs, where do you currently see Baltimore at full health lining up, not only within the division in pursuit of winning it, but also just making the playoffs in those seven spots available? Yeah, well, a lot of this hinges on what we were talking about a few minutes ago with with the injury situation and and where these guys come back if they're at full potential, right? Like a lot of these guys, 
are dealing with significant setbacks. Now, Marlon has a torn pectoral muscle. He should be fine. Marlon Humphrey in the secondary. You know, Marcus Peters had the the ACL over a year ago. He missed the entire season. So you get you get the sense that that they're going to be able to come back and be impactful right from the jump, but you don't know. You really don't know. Yeah. So uh, in terms of the, of the division, I, I find that, uh, you know, Cincinnati obviously has to have the upper hand right now. I mean, they were the, the AFC contender, yep. deservingly so. How shocking and was that to the fan base, by the way, in Baltimore? In Baltimore, it was, oh, dude, they were. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that because that was a run for the ages for unreal for a Cincinnati organization. Let's let's face it, they deserve that out there right after enduring what they've endured. Uh, and I, I find Joe Burrow to just be um, he the dude's an absolute cannon. You know, he he just gets it done. He's tough as a freaking hammer, and he went out there and did whatever possible with an offensive line that obviously needs to be retooled. And it has throughout the yep. course of this off season. And I'm sure they'll continue to do it in the draft as well. So I think since he gets the upper hand, we don't know what's happening in Cleveland. Deshaun will likely be down for half a season. Who knows, Zach? I, th- I think, I don't think we should rule out the, the NFL potentially trying to make a, uh, an example of this guy Agreed. and slapping him for an entire season. I think that's being, I think that that could potentially be, uh, being overlooked a little bit in terms of the NFL wanting to, uh, it hasn't proven to exactly uh, value its its uh, image over the years, right? Well, what an opportunity to do that here. So I don't want to get it too high or too low on Cleveland right now. And obviously Pittsburgh is in an in-between stage as they try to figure out who their next quarterback is after Trubisky. I'm sure he's just going to be a placeholder. At the same time, look, Mike Tomlin is an absolute OG and you don't get to to where he has gotten and sustained in, in Pittsburgh without just utter dominance and, and excellence. And to me, he has yet to have a a losing season. I don't think I don't think that'll be an exception this upcoming season. I think they're going to fight and they're going to claw yep. and they're going to be scrappy. They're going to be right there in the end, fighting for a wild card slot. So I'd give it right now: Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland, and and probably Pittsburgh. But I think it's you know right behind the AFC West for top position in football. Ref coming in, just a few more comments on Tremaine Edmonds here. Yeah, so this is what this is kind of the notion with Tremaine. He's a massive dude, athletic as hell, but a little You're bit soft. Him, man. Come yeah, on, I know. Silas coming in saying Edmonds is six five two fifty with four five speed. He's been too gap responsible with guys like Brennan Butler in front of him. His length alone takes away five to fifteen yards over the middle. 58, 23, and 21 shine because of 49. That's interesting, too, because the Bills have significantly upgraded on the defensive line, and you just wonder if that will go hand-in-hand with a increase in production from Tremaine Edmonds. So this is a big year for him. I'm interested to see how it all pans out. But, you know, there, there's the Bills' defense in general, they just, they've gotten – they were really good last year, but it almost felt like it was kind of fool's gold a little bit just because of the opponents that they had. But, you know, they've added Von Miller, getting Tredavious White back. I mean, the Bills right now, it, I've, I'm always interested to hear this from different fan bases. When the Bills come up in Baltimore, what is the, what's the sentiment? What, what, what's, what's said when thinking about the Bills? Say the Ravens got to play them this week. What's the conversation among Ravens fans? Well, from a fan base standpoint, I, I think, you know, having been on – a couple morning shows here and just known the types of content that my co-hosts wanted to kind of sink their teeth into. 
I think they love how giving and generous the fan base is yeah. up there. You know, there's just so many incredible stories, whether it's the children's hospital or when Josh's grandmother passed mm-hmm. or you, you name it. So I followed those. And the Lamar Jackson closely. situation. That was unique. And too. the Lamar after yeah. the concussion. Yeah. And the divisional game. That's a good point as well. Uh, I believe it was a charity down in Louisville where, where he played. But um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously they don't know how to stop Josh yet. And, like we mentioned earlier on in the show, his ability to somehow when things break down and, and all hectic and all hell breaks loose, that's when he's at his best. And I think he and Lamar have a similar trait in that sense. You know, they're incredibly creative and innovative yeah. and they've proven that. So, yeah, that they've and, and obviously it's a hard hitting defense. Of course, we all remember a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2019 when that that wire, it was down to the wire, that wire to wire finish. In Orchard Park, I think the Ravens won like, what was it, 20 to 17 or something like that back in their 14 and 2 campaign. Um, but that man, they, they got a lot of respect for him. That's for yeah. sure. And, and, uh, you know, the, the AFC, man, like we talked about before we came on yeah. these last couple of months, the most compelling thing to me in all professional sports has been just an, an unprecedented offseason of moves at the quarterback position and also just star power on the move. And, and the AFC got a whole lot better. I'll tell you. I know why Tom wants to come back and play. No all kidding. he's got to get through is Aaron. Yeah. All he's got to get through is Aaron and Kyler, and he's back, you know, fighting up against one of these these cluster of teams that beat up on each other all year long on the other side of the conference. A Devontae-less Rodgers, too. I mean, Brady's going to walk. Yeah. Walk. I, I, and I, he's got to come back for him. What do you make of the story out this week, by the way, with Brady? Because that is incredibly interesting. The Miami situation, how he was going to be a part owner. Sean Payton was going to come out of retirement to coach. This was this all of a sudden came flooding in. I I, I gotta tell you, it would it would have made it would have been the most unbelievable occurrence for us Bills fans yeah. to, to have him yeah. go to Miami in that situation. I'm glad it didn't happen. Oh, you know, Tom, Tom's like LeBron. He's a businessman, obviously, and I respect that. And He's probably going to end up in ownership one day. Let's be honest. He's never going to be in a broadcast booth. No. You're never going to see LeBron in a broadcast booth, even though, speaking of commanding numbers, I mean, look at what Troy and Joe have commanded throughout the course of this season. You know, these guys are making potential, like, low-level starting quarterback annual salaries in the broadcast booth. It's insane. I wonder why Tony wanted to hang it up, you know? Well, Romo so, really – he paved the way there. He paved the way there. Yeah, I mean, as soon as he, he came in, and now with Amazon getting into it and, and whatever else, it, it's – you're right. And that's another reason why this offseason has been so insane. Everything has changed. I was listening to – free agency, too. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to yeah. Dan Patrick earlier – and he had put it perfectly. He, he he said, you know, a month ago, Brady's retired. Bruce Arians is the coach of the of the Buccaneers. You know, Troy and, and Joe are still at Fox. You got Devontae Adams with Green Bay. No one knows what Rodgers is going to do. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson's still a Seahawk. There, there was a million things that happened within a month. And it just goes to show you not only how insane this offseason was, but how dominant the NFL has become in terms of media. I mean, you had March Madness, you had, you know, baseball around the corner here. I mean, even this past weekend, yeah, it's the Masters, it's baseball, but then again, it always something always comes back to the NFL. And this year more than ever, it's been insane. They've mastered their product. And oh, I yeah. think you see it in a town like this, right? It's a two-sport town. Sure. And it certainly doesn't doesn't help when um 
when the Orioles are just dismal. And they did win today in their in their opening day, uh, home, at least home home opening day against the Brewers. But yeah, you, you really see it when you make those comparisons. Yeah. Especially, it doesn't help when baseball's made a mockery of itself over the course of this off season. Now, you know, with the season beginning and it went and whatnot. But yeah, the NFL's king, man. And if there was absolutely that was extremely out evident over the course of these last you know two or three months. I will say though, Camden Yards, most beautiful park I've been to. I love Camden. it there. I love 30, Camden Yards. Thirtieth anniversary season. Let me know if you're coming down, my man. Very easy bleacher seats and access and. I'm here in Fells Point right here, my my little row home about uh, maybe oh two and a half miles or so away. You hop on one of those scooters and get hey, over there. Kev, you hear that? Minute. We're taking Bobby up on that. We're going down to Camden Yards. That I'll exactly. tell you, I went there, God, it had to be seven, eight years ago now. But just, I don't know, that. unlike most other ballparks I've been to, just the, the open environment and, and – it just you, you get that you get that old school ballpark feel when you're there. I just yep. I loved everything about it, you know. But it, when I'm not a big baseball guy at all, and when we look at the NFL and and then look at you know like you said the mockery that had been going on within the MLB this past off season and just as, as somebody who on the radio for you out in Baltimore and you have to cover obviously the Orioles and the Ravens and, and all the sports happenings in Baltimore, how tough is it to kind of squeeze in baseball when the NFL is just so dominant that you oftentimes wonder, you know, is it even worth talking about baseball until playoffs start heating up? Because it's just, there's no urgency in the game and it's the same problem with the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Super tough. And then you, you, it's on a whole new level when you're in the middle of this ongoing, just brutal rebuild. And yeah, and honestly, the, it's turned away a good portion of the fan base down here. I've Has connected it? with a lot of them within the last 24 hours, trying to figure out if they were making the trip to opening day or not. And sure enough, the Orioles listed it as a sellout, but there was a bunch of photos circulating the internet. It was nowhere near a sellout in terms of now, again, they, they talk about a sellout is tickets sold, not mm-hmm behinds and bleacher seats you know right. so uh i don't I don't want to dispute that but it certainly was not a full ballpark today and that just told the story of what has been this nagging and um dismal rebuild over the last four seasons or so since mike elias who rebuilt the houston astros and we know how controversial that was he's now the general manager of the baltimore orioles so yeah it's it's been it's been very difficult i, I always joke with my my brother who's a freshman in college right now, I tell him, I said, John, man, this is the perfect time for you to be here, right? Because you're not going to see winning baseball, but you as a freshman with that college budget, you can get into camp yeah. for seven bucks. Seven sure. bucks, piece of cake. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was tough over the last three years to kind of sprinkle in Orioles knowledge. The only thing I can think of really that really deserved attention was when uh, Trey Mancini came back from that colon cancer diagnosis other than that, it's been it's been very underwhelming. Uh, Cedric Mullins, we've got to give him some credit as well. He was a 30 for 30 guy last year, 30-30 season, also an all-star season. But other than that, a lackluster product. But how do you even, and, and not to get too far into it, because it just always blows my mind because you, you think baseball and you really only think the top of the league because you just can't, when you're talking about these rebuilds, how do you do it? when you have a handful of teams with an infinite amount of money and then there's the rest of the league, I just yeah, don't understand how yeah. you even compete. That's brutal. It's brutal. Their attendance has, I was looking it up today, looking at the numbers since 2014, every single year, uh, their, their attendance has decreased. It's suffering. And the product on the field obviously is suffering. 
the front office has, has decided to invest in the scouting department and international development, minor league development, analytics, and all that stuff's great. And hopefully it pays off in the long run. Yeah. But if you're not investing in on-field talent and you're just – you have a salary. You have a payroll, Zach. Listen to this. You have a payroll that's roughly $40 million for 2022. Mike Trout's annual salary this season – is thirty nine million dollars? Wait, wait. wait. Just- the Rave, the, the Orioles' overall budget is forty million a year. This season, payroll is forty million. See, yep. I just don't see. And, and, and once again, back to the NFL is king. How, how do you even justify that? How can you put that yeah. out on the field when you got? You know, I, I just was I was watching with Kevin last night. I was watching uh, Yankees Red Sox, and they were talking yeah. about how uh, uh, Judge is going to hold out. For like, what is it, thirty six something million a year? He doesn't want to resign. Oh, yeah, and 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 right there, there's another example. And it's just like, how do you possibly compete with that year yeah. in and year out? And I yeah. think about the NFL. Yeah. Could you imagine if the NFL did something like that? The product would immediately, the the, the game on the field would immediately yeah. be yeah. unwatchable. Be it's yeah, essentially what college football has become, because the yeah. SEC has done that. You got Ohio State. You got a couple other teams, you know, every year who are on the fringe, but it all comes down to the SEC every year. And I love college football, but it's not it's not overly exciting anymore when you get to the to get to the playoff time. No, of it course will not. Never ever be March Madness. Jason Millard coming in. NFL is forward thinking, painful at times, but they make changes. MLB is behind in the times and stuck in their ways. I'll give the NFL credit because there was a time when it definitely seemed like they were going down a similar road. You know, the no fun league gets coined. I think finally, after a while, they embrace the social media. They embrace the fun aspects of the game, you know, letting celebrations happen. They're now they're doing the, you know, the different Jersey alterations and things that resonate with fans. That to me right there, when you look at, Baseball. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if this is still true, but up until last year, I think you you weren't allowed to put any baseball content on YouTube unless you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's how they. Is that how they're still operating? Well, the problem is, is that from a regional standpoint, that's their only way of of uh, catering to their audience, right? Regionally, baseball does really well. Nationally, it's a joke. Yeah. From a streaming standpoint, it's a joke. The blackouts are a joke. I mean, it's 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 so bad. It's so behind on the times. It's it's sad too because the product isn't bad. I agree. The product the product has been euthanized. There's electricity. There's talent from all over. Uh, obviously, all over the country as well. But the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. and Japan and you name it. I mean, look at Shohei Otani. He should be on the top five rows of ESPN.com and those featured articles every single day. And he's not because he's on a losing team or at least a mediocre team. Not in, not in a bad market. I mean, obviously, it's it's out on the West Coast. It's, sure. it's, it's L.A. type of thing. Um, it's, t- to me, they are missing the mark on our generation. Our generation, and I don't want to speak for everybody. I love baseball. I'm sure some of our audience loves baseball. Do you like baseball? I don't. And and for all the reasons you're speaking on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but would you consider it though? Absolutely. Right? Would you consider it if you saw it in a different light? They don't allow the decision makers don't allow it to be seen yep. in a different light. And with that, as the boomer generation moves on here in the coming years, I, I think it's going to have a major, major issue to, uh, 
at face to be faced with. And under Rob Manfred, I'm not sure he's shown that he can be the guy to, you know, bring it to the next spot. I agree with you. And I, and the, the recent uh, topic of conversation, very similar to the MLB in the NBA, where these star players play once every three games and they're just taking night, night after night off. And you, you, you continually wonder, you know, these sports are are becoming like two, like one or two month events, similar to kind of how college basketball has turned into March Madness, and that's essentially it. I mean, when we're yeah. talking about football, it is twelve months a year now in the NFL, from the season to the off season to the draft to boom back into the season again. You look at the NBA. To me, same with the MLB. There's just too many games. And I'm watching last night, and I'm enjoying the hell out of that game. It was down to the last inning. You know, Judge at bat and Staten couldn't get it done against the the Red Sox. I enjoy the playoff baseball, and the reason I do is because there's something on the line. But in the NBA and the MLB, I mean, you could take a nap for a month and still be right there at the end, and it doesn't make a difference. In the NFL, you start the season 0-1, and you you got to go back to the drawing board immediately or it can get out of hand. So I just don't know – you know, you you being in the in the city there with a team that's struggling, what what's the solution, if any, to kind of enter into that new generation like you were speaking of? Well, they've like I said, they've they've poured a ton of resources and time into their farm system, and they do have the top farm system, or at least the top top two or top three farm systems in the league. So you'd have to think at some point here, even though they're trying to milk that service time rule because they'll have to pay. They won't have to pay Adley Rutschman, per se, who's the former number one overall pick, and he's going to be their, hopefully, their franchise catcher, they hope. He's supposed to be called up here in the coming weeks as he gets his uh, right tricep strain taken care of. But the hope is to just dive into whoever's available at the farm system level. And from there, you know, you use guys as trade pieces. I mean, you remember uh, Runed, is it Runed? Runit Odor, he was he played for the Yankees. You got Robinson Chirinos who's on this roster right now. Guys who are not the answer, obviously. They're just placeholders. So they may not even be on the roster by, say, June. So it's 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 tough. It's it's a tough product. It's tough to fill the seats, but you got to dive into that farm system eventually, get some of these these big time prospects up at the big league level, and hopefully at the very least, that'll buy that'll, you know, kind of sell some more tickets. Obviously, they're not competing in the AL East, though. Not, yeah. not for the time being. Hey, speaking of uh, speaking of the broadcast carousel, uh, yeah, yeah. Al Michaels no longer in the seat for NBC uh, Sunday Night Football. And listen, he's one of my favorites. I know you sat down and spoke with him, and I wanted to talk to you about that because Al Michaels, to me, I mean, when it comes to this space, there there's a Mount Rushmore guys, and and Al Michaels is one hundred percent on it. Uh, seeing him move on, you know, from a spot that he's been at most of my life, probably yours as well, and and, and kind of taking in on a new venture. What, what did you What did you learn from him when you sat down and spoke to him? Because that's just somebody that I think, you know, no matter what you're a fan of, if you're a fan of sports, I mean, you're a fan yeah. of Al Michaels for sure. You're talking to a historian, you know. It's yeah. just like it's as if you're talking to one of the greatest athletes ever. You know, it has that type of that type of pedigree, that type of magnitude when you're speaking with him. I've been lucky enough to sit down virtually with him three consecutive seasons, and that was mostly because of my role with with the Ravens flagship mm-hmm. radio station. So when they would have the Sunday night game, and obviously he and Chris and Michelle would be here in town or wherever the game was at the time, 
we would, I would have that an opportunity to get that interview in. and it'd only go about 10, 15, 20 minutes, but he's so generous with his time. Yeah. Like I said, he's a, he's a heck of a historian. He's so polished. The beauty of it is that he's up there, right? He's, I think he's, what is he like 76 or so? I think he's he's got to like be. Let me see. In 70s, maybe. Yeah, check that. Um, check me on that. But yeah, he, you would think that at that age, he'd start to lose some of the pot. What do you got? 70, 70, 77. 70. You're right. I yeah, mean, you, he doesn't miss a yeah. beat, man. Yeah, he, he has not lost it at all. And I just find that to be so inspiring, really. Yeah. I mean, you're leading Sunday night football in America as a 76, 77 year old. It's, it's pretty amazing. So. Yeah, obviously I'll miss him in that slot. I think they're going to be just fine with Mike Mike Tirico. He'll be calling for he'll be calling Super Bowls for years to come. I know they're keeping Chris in that slot. I know some of you probably have uh, some thoughts on that. I would have to think that within the next couple of years that'll be Drew's slot. I would have to think. Yeah, well they've been doing a good job with the ND games, and I like Drew. I mean, I think he's you know yeah. I think he was a little off. timid, but I think he'll come yeah. around to it. Listen, there's a lot of people in Bills Mafia who hate Collinsworth see here's where I and I and it's interesting talking to you because not like I I went to school for this so did you and you know how difficult that is I mean this is fun you know you and I just going back and forth and that's why I love radio listen to it every day and you know how you know fun and entertaining that can be there's a big difference between doing this and calling games Collinsworth is hated on like crazy there's very few people in the world who know the game more and I listen to them and it's like, yeah, I understand he might not be the fan favorite, but the one guy I always come down to with me, and I, I, I want to know your thoughts, you know, being in the in the business. Joe Buck gets the most hate out of anybody I've ever seen, and I think he's one of the greatest to ever do it. And I don't understand why he gets ragged on so much. I think it's bullshit. I me think too. it's absolute. We can swear on you, right? Yeah, go ahead. I, I think it's absolute bullshit, yeah. and it's just it's just nonsense. It's stuff that fans just think that um, you know he has some sort of a vendetta against their team, right? I think it's ridiculous. He's so incredibly polished. People forget that in the month of October, he's now he won't be anymore because he's moving over, right? But in the month of October, he's crossing over between the pinnacle of his profession on the baseball side and the pinnacle of his profession on the football side. It's it's unheard of. It's spectacular. And he deserves much, much more credit than that he's been given and that's just that's a small portion of people that are getting after him right twitter's i hate to give a voice to the voiceless sometimes we do this as well on our post game show back back home you know here in baltimore and after the show i'm like god damn why do i give them the spotlight they don't deserve it yeah well i think that you brought up and that's the example i bring up every single time when it comes to him do you understand you go you go sunday sunday afternoon prime time three yeah. world series games, a Thursday night game, and then Sunday again. And, and yep. you, and people are like, ah, and I'm like, yep. you don't even know the half of that. I mean, that yep. is just, yep. I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine. Yep. And, and he, I, I, I just, I wanted to get your thoughts. Cause he's the one guy. I love that. I know. I, I me too. I never, I, I never understood yep. it. I never understood it. it. Yeah. One, the one guy you never, it's almost like I, I'll tweet in his defense all the time. And I always feel like I'm looking over my shoulder when I do it. And I'm like, why, like, yeah. why am I, why yeah. am I doing that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Collinsworth's yeah, one of those guys. And I think it's because he kind of, he shows, he'll show a bias towards a guy every now and then, but people forget, you know, PFF is his, that's his product. So, you yeah. know, he knows, yeah. he knows all the little ins and ends and, and whatever else, but 
I think in that sector, is Bobby, cheesy. he's cheesy. He is cheesy. Yeah. But I think in that sector, and I wonder where you, uh, your thoughts on this, because to me, the NFL has done a good job of moving into that new space where the MLB has it. And they have recently embraced the hell out of the gambling. And I think that that has opened up a major new sector of fans that didn't exist prior. And you got to remember too, the people that are much younger than us, they consume media in a completely different way. Whereas they're watching, I mean, everything's clips now. It's not even, you know, that's yeah. why I think baseball suffers. There's no urgency and it's long and there's a million games. Some of these younger people aren't even on Twitter. I know like they're not even on Twitter. It's, they're it's used, all like you said. Yeah. Yeah. They're Bloody. watching the minute or minute 30 of, of Sunday night football on TikTok or on an Instagram reel. Yeah. I mean, where do you see, because it always interests me to ask people that, you know, work in the industry, where do you see, you know, let's say, let's just do a hypothetical 10 years from now. Do you see the NFL being one of those, one of those, you know, it, it turns into a media phenomenon where it's every night and there's a variety of different options to consume it. There's different commentators for each game. Cause I just see an endless amount of possibility for the league and this year, more than ever, it seems that things are starting to alter more than they ever have, where you're seeing these changing of the guard with these broadcasters and then the gambling. I was just wondering where your thoughts were on yeah. where the broadcast end of the game's heading, because it's it, it's the biggest it's the biggest entertainment, uh, you know, it's, it's the biggest form of entertainment in the entire country, bar not. Yep. Yep. You're right. We're starting to see a shift in philosophy, a, a shift in, in all that we've known in yeah. our years. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be jarring, right? Yeah. Thursday night, Amazon football is going to be jarring for some folks, our father's age, let's say, yeah. you know, that that's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy for them to access it. They're going to have to be looking on their ESPN <laughs> app, how the hell to get on, you know? know. Um, and, and granted, I feel the same way. I think it's, a, it's, it's jarring, but this is where we're going. Yeah. And, you know, you just got me thinking about one of the main reasons why I have left radio. And, and for those, you know, I'm not going to drown out your audience on, on what's going on in my I'm life. Don't not. I, 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 re I recently left radio to, like you said at the top, dive into the digital space, dive into YouTube. And I'm using you as one of the blueprints, man. I'm a little bit behind, so I'm a little late to the party, but I'm diving in now. And I really, truly believe that, okay, let's let's talk Buffalo, for example, or any, any market, right? I, I truly believe that the next generation's sportscaster that you remember growing up on local sports that covered the local high school teams mm -hmm. that had the feature athlete of the week you name it those people for us over here in baltimore it's mark viviano it's jerry sandusky jerry with a g by the way you wrote a book on that um it's it's bruce cunningham right those mm -hmm. guys are all in their 60s they're getting ready to call it a career but they're really well known here. I'm sure you could rip off a few up your way. Of course. So those people, the equivalent of those people are going to be the ones that are dominating YouTube. And I really, truly believe that. And, and I, the reason why I bring this up is because I, I truly believe that football is heading in a direction from a consumption standpoint of getting a variety of options from a streaming yes. standpoint. These, these, these networks the CBSs, the ESPNs, the Foxes, they're going to have it. Don't get me wrong. Nothing's imminent. Sure. Right? But with the, to your point in the beginning, the Amazon breakthrough on Thursday nights, to me, is a glimpse into the future. Yeah. And I, here's, here's the one point I always come down to. 
The NFL treats barstool sports like they're anthrax. They, you can't touch it. They're, they're a cancer, yeah. right? And the way yeah. I always look at it is that is one aspect of the media that you cannot neglect because as, as time goes on and the young fan, fan base gets older and older, that is how they've consumed sports. And sports has become, you know, social media to football is, is jelly to peanut butter. I mean, you can't yep. even watch a game anymore without having the companion of Twitter, Facebook, whatever. It's enhanced the game tenfold. And I look at what Barstool has done for sports in general and how they've changed the way people consume it. And I just think that, that at the end of the day, that will be embraced to some capacity and they might be a little bit behind the eight ball, whereas I think they could get out and out ahead of it. But you're right. And I was talking to Kevin the other day about you know, your situation. We were talking about the radio. And it's funny you bring that up that, you know, the aspect of you could name all those guys and they're in their 60s. The same guys up here, Rochester and Buffalo, they've been on the radio from the day I was born until today. It's the exact same guys. And the space you're in within radio is very tough because those guys never move seats. They never move seats. And I've talked to several people who are in the spot, which they're in, right? Where they're on their way out and they look at the industry and every one of them has told me, you know, what you're doing right now on YouTube is where that is. That's what it is. Yeah. And, and they basically say, you know, you want to go and, you know, do, you know, pour coffee for the guy who's never going to leave town and, and, and go ahead, yeah. but it's just yeah. not, it's not what it is anymore. And it's, it's the truth. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy to you just made me think of this. The, the some of the folks that you're alluding to, they're really well known in their spaces, right? They're really sure. well known in their markets uh, with their audiences, uh, within the fan base of the Bills, let's say. Mm -hmm. For the Ravens, they they know us well. My co-host on the post-game show was a guy who I took over for a few years ago, made the first big jump in my career to join WBAL, which is the Ravens flagship radio station. Yeah. He's now 64, 65, getting ready to kind of go into the, the swan song of his life and, and, and leave at some point. But as great as he is and as legendary as he is to our parents' generations and even below uh, those as well and in this market, he's not known in this space. So there are Ravens fans and, and vice versa, Bills fans that have had, you know, that, that don't know his equivalent in Buffalo at the local radio station, because it's, this is untapped in a lot of ways to that generation. So uh, I'm pretty, I'm, I know we're getting on a little tangent here, but I'm super excited about it. It's just, it knows no bounds. I'm, I was yeah. communicating with a, with a Ravens fan from Arizona today. You think he knows what we do here in Baltimore? Probably not. Right. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of this platform. He's not listening to us on the local post game show, yeah. but guess what? When I stream the draft coming up, in a few weeks, I'm doing my first ever live stream. I'm going to have to call you to figure out what the frick to do. Um, he's going to be watching. And, right. you know, he wouldn't have been listening to my local postgame show here in town. Listen, I, I don't think it's even a tangent. Because if you look at all the, you know, every week, and I say this to everybody on here, I'm so thankful for the fan base of that we have at the Fanatics. Because every time I go live every week, I see the same names in here. And it just feels like one gigantic family of a fan base. And what I love about it is there's so many different offerings now where there never was. And I, and I don't, I don't look at it as competition or anything because I think it's fantastic. Like there's within Buffalo here, cover one 
They do film breakdown. It's incredible. I, I, that's not my expertise. I don't think like that, but those guys yeah. do, and they do a terrific job. The way I look at it, I love reactionary content. That's why, you know, it's tough for me in the offseason compared during the season. You just had a game, and that's, you know, you wear your heart in the sl- on your sleeve, win or lose, and you go and put that out there. A lot of the time, you know, when I was growing up, you don't get that, especially yeah. when you're talking about your specific fan base. Right. Growing up, I would have killed to just see the Bills get a highlight on ESPN because that's how irrelevant we were. You know what I mean? And and now I I have a million different ways to look at it and to consume it. And the outro, like like you were talking about, the guy from Arizona, the outro song I play here on every show, uh, the guy who made it, he's he lives in Germany. He emailed me. He's I love the show and I love for you to play it. And I thought to myself, just the thought you had, I'm like, there's no way in how there's no there's not a shot. And yep. even if it's a small amount of people, a large amount of people, like you had just said, the fact that you legitimately can have somebody from Germany not only reach out to you watching your show, but is also a Bills fan, a football fan. It's just this aspect that I, you know, you're going to, as you get into it, you know, you're just going to find that that's the coolest part about it because yep. the local radio, which I, I do too, I love it. I love it because that's what I grew up on. You, you get to branch out into so many other aspects of the, of the medium. I mean, the, 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 like we kept talking about with football now, I mean, the different avenues that you can go down and take a look at, it's just, it's, it's next level. It, it really is. Yeah. yeah I got to give it to you, man. I tip, I tip my cap. You've, you've cultivated and you've built quite an audience in here. And uh, well, let me you tell know, you, man, it's great the, to have me, man. Pierre and Rico within, you know, Buffalo fanatics here. They're just, it's, it's like I, like I spoke on just a few seconds ago, the people in here, that's what it's all about. Right. Because you, you feel that in a way that I don't think you feel with any other medium where you just, you get to interact with everybody and those guys, they've been doing it for so long and were gracious enough to bring me in. And they, they did such a great job of, I think it's all about relatability and, and we're just all fans. And how often were you when growing up a fan of anything? Did you ever really get the fan perspective of like anything? You know what I mean? It was always yeah. just very black yeah. and white. And I don't know, man. I mean, when I when when we're talking about you in particular, though, as you and by the way, I want you to tell everybody what you got going on. What what's the goal for you as you move on to this new endeavor? Are you looking to stick within one sport? one team or are you, you kind of just taking it as it comes and, and figuring out, you know, what's best yeah. for you. I'm kind of rolling with the Baltimore sports and beyond mm-hmm. theme emphasis on that final word, you know, with the ability to to take it wherever it might go today. I put up a monologue for lack of a better term, ripping the Orioles about that rebuild that we were talking about a little while uh, ago. And I, I titled it uh, the truth behind or the truth about, Orioles opening day in Baltimore and I talked about a number of the specifics that uh, has led to really this this a good portion of the fan base to become resentful so you know that that title allows me and I'm still trying to figure out the branding details sure. of this thing get kind of get off and running it's only been it'll be three weeks this Wednesday so uh, by the way this was a little bit unexpected hint hint so it's it's been right it's been a, it's been a, a tricky difficult time in my career but at the same time you know very rewarding uh, I feel as if uh, the, the world is in front of me. Um, 
speaking and, and picking the brains of, of guys like you on a daily basis and just trying to, to build this thing top down. You know, I'm super active on the other platforms as well. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram um, had the wife of uh, the Ravens general manager on the show last week, uh, Lacey DaCosta, and she shed some good light, uh, had a, one of the Ravens wide receivers coaches on. So I'm, I'm able to kind of, you know, use some of those relationships that I formed as a more, you know, um, let, let's say uh, formal media member in town. And now I'm kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit, if you will. And But I'm still using some of those connections and relationships that I was able to make as, in, in that former role. And so just trying to blend it all together and yeah. see whatever the, whatever the hell that ends up looking like. We'll, we'll right. see. Well, that's the great part about it because in this space too, like I mentioned cover one, but like, that's just, you know, that's yeah. another entity. They do the, the film stuff right within here. Like my buddy clay, he does an incredible job with the film, yeah. uh, you know, study and, and breakdown. And then you got Rico. He does a great job of, you know, reactionary and stuff like that. And I think as you go on, you, you, there's, there's other people in this space who all love it yeah. as much as you do. And you kind of just team up. And that's why right. I always look at it. Like, yeah, you might be with a different organization or a different team, but everybody loves doing the one thing and that's hopping on here and talking ball. And like, no matter who you're with, like, it's always a good time, right? especially if you have you the same needs to look. Yeah. YouTube needs like a listing or the NFL needs like a listing where you can find like the most notable local YouTubers per market. Mm-hmm. If there's something that you're thinking of that I, I just don't know about, hit me up about it. Cause I want to be able to easily access, like, for example, obviously the folks in the AFC, like yourself, but like AFC North, like divisional stuff, AFC East for you, you know, like I, I want to be able to easily access those guys. And maybe you just, you quickly learn being in the community and I'm only three weeks in. So we'll see, but you know. Yeah. I mean, know. it's great because sometimes uh, there's always different sectors. Like some are very um, like, and that's what I love about it because on one, like one day you'll get somebody from a different team who's very honest and open. And then another time you'll get somebody yeah. like our buddy here at Buffalo fanatics, master at work, big Patriots guy. And oh there's nothing you can tell him. Josh Allen's terrible. The yeah. bills are still, you know, so it's always fun because I think you don't get that everywhere else. And I, I appreciate both aspects because absolutely, you know, like, when you look at it, that's how it, that's how it goes within fan bases, right? You get, you get people who are very honest and, and, and look at things rationally, but we all know, man, being a fan of anything, rationality, nine and a half out of 10 times goes out the window. And I love you that. Aspect. It. Yeah. You, you know? ain't getting it here <laughs> before, before we wrap up here and just speaking on your, on your radio situation, I, I wanted to know, cause I know every, every, even though, you know, the radio isn't the first thing people think of. The one thing I love about it is kind of what you yeah. were working in in, in in the sphere of immediately after the game, the phone calls. It's the best thing. You can't replicate it anywhere because of the yep. just the insanity that winds up coming through the um, just through the lines. What's yeah. the one moment you'll always remember covering the Ravens that was the most absurd call you got following a win or a loss? Just the one that you were like, "Wow, I don't even." I mean you know, crazy. It's like a grouping of them, right? It's the (laughs) same dude. He would call from, whoa, where was he? Nick from, it's like somewhere out in the county, Bel Air. Nick from Bel Air, right? (laughs) This dude down the county of of Maryland, north of Baltimore by like close to an hour. Dude, my producer would always (laughs) tell him, right? Like my producer would always recognize his number. Yeah. And 
know, obviously, you know how it goes. The producer speaks to the caller before he gets sure. put on hold and then eventually on the air. And when they would speak to him, or when, when, when Chris, my producer, would be, dude, like he'd tell him, 30 seconds, 30 seconds and you're out. And to no avail. Like he yeah. didn't give a flying F. Yeah. He did not give a shit. He would go on there and go for two or three minutes. I'd have my boss texting me saying, what the hell are you doing? Get him off there. And I hate to cut people off. So sure. it was always awkward. It was always kind of glitchy, you know, that drove me freaking crazy. So obviously there are other memorable stuff, but that's, that's what comes to mind. But yeah, that was uh, definitely a fun part. You know, you never know what the heck's going on. You got to be on your toes at all times. And that's one part I'll miss for sure. Yeah. But you know, I, like I said, I, I think that the ability to tap into uh, a market that that knows no bounds, right? Your audience knows no bounds, and there's something about that that fires me up. Well, speaking of the topic, as we wrap up tonight, let the folks here know where to find you because Bobby he delivers some awesome content. Like he had just mentioned, he spoke with the wife of the uh, you know the Ra uh, Ravens GM uh, the other day. He sat down with Al Michaels a bunch of times, like we had talked about Mike Tarico. So Bobby is coming into this space red hot on fire and looking for uh you know people to come and join them so bobby let the folks know where they can find you and what you're up to appreciate the love man you know like i said earlier on you know i'm really going with that theme baltimore sports and beyond so yeah. although there will be you know some some baltimore sports content on a on a daily basis we're really trying to go beyond so you see the tag right there in my description you know that's that's how you can find me on YouTube. That's how you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Connect with me. Like I said, I got that Albany roots. So I, I love, um, obviously, I, I love Western New York. I love upstate New York, and uh, I still I hold it very close to my heart. My family's up there. I'm actually heading up there on Wednesday, dude. I'm, I'm going home nice. for a little Easter trip. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready to, to dive into the space. Definitely going to have to return the favor and give you some love. Uh, at some point here, so I have to get your calendar, but sure. appreciate you having me on, man. Well, the pleasure was all mine, and uh, <laughs> well, I'm playing the wrong song. This is the tune right here. This guy, yeah, guy from rip. Germany. Let's I mean, it. It, it's just like, I first <laughs> time I heard it, I'm like, man, the honor, I was honored. I'm like, man, this is, this is yeah. for me? This is for me? So, Run it up. Run it up. Uh, big thanks to you, Bobby, for hopping on. This was fun. I always love getting the perspective outside of Buffalo, and you had a great one for us tonight, so that was awesome. Uh, all you guys watching tonight, thanks so much, as always, for tuning in back again next Monday. Make sure to go follow Bobby and give him some love. He brought us some awesome stuff tonight, and uh, he does that every time he gets live, so make sure to check him out. Uh, that's a wrap for tonight. We'll see you next week, and as always, go Bills. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.